It is the day after the day, and we are ready to talk much more about it on the nation's college basketball show, college basketball coast-to-coast, post-selection Sunday. We have a field of 68. We have NCAA tournament games coming later this weekend, and we are thrilled. We are pleased to be able to talk all about it. i got a special guest joining me for the full half hour in just a moment. Can't wait to talk with Mark Wise. Great job with me throughout these years on TuneIn and on this show, College Basketball Coast to Coast. Also, Mark, with ESPN and the SEC Network, he'll be here forthcoming, forthwith, post-haste, in just a moment to help me break down the bracket and look ahead to this week with all of the games in Indiana and greater Indianapolis uh, coming for this 2021 NCAA tournament. However you found this show, uh, whether it's a social media link, et cetera, understand that we're streaming on TuneIn under the Tag Sports Group channel for free on TuneIn, the show at the top and bottom of the hour, 24-7 on TuneIn, College Basketball Coast to Coast on the TAG Sports Group Channel, TAG. Also find the show via podcast on Apple Podcasts. In podcast form, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It comes automatically to you. We're going to have new shows every day this week, previews of the day's actions, etc. You want to subscribe to make sure that you have the program. So with all of that out of the way, as I like to say, let's get into it. Let's roll the sleeves up. Let's, as Mark Wise loves to say, and I bring him on right now, let's throw the ball in the air. It's going to happen 34 <laughs> times. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Coach Mark Wise, good to have you back. The former uh, Purdue assistant who was part of the 1980 Final Four. Speaking of Indiana and speaking of Final Four. And uh, speaking of ancient. Yeah, you're not that ancient, my friend. You were part of that Final Four team. (laughs) Joe Barry Carroll, Lee Rose as the head coach. Final Four in Indianapolis that year, too, by the way, uh, with Purdue involved. Final Four again in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. Great to have you. I know we've got so much to talk about and discuss This would just, I just have to publicly say this again. This is not the same for me if this man doesn't get to do it with me. You and I are arm in arm and have been for a long time, so it's good to have you. You know, um, TJ, I'm watching the selection show last night, and I remember back to last year, and I had this, I guess I had this, I just can't believe that we're not going to have an NCAA tournament. Uh, That was my prevailing thought. And last night, I almost had the exact same thought in that I just can't believe we're going to have an NCAA tournament. So from that standpoint, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for the players. I'm thrilled for the programs that have made it. Um, You know, there's some obviously anytime you have a selection, I don't care what sport, anytime you have a selection, uh, you have some um, uh, discussion and debate about who should be in and who should be out. But the the bigger picture here, I think, for all of us is that we are going to have a tournament. Yeah, that is absolutely right. After having all of it uh, robbed, taken away a year ago. We understand why uh, with COVID-19 and the seriousness of it. But we, we were uh, within about 72 hours last year of having a completed bracket. We would have never gotten a tournament in, but we would have at least gotten that part in and none of that happened. So now all of it played out uh, over this weekend. Uh, And we'll get into so much of this as the week goes on about teams, games. I'll do a little bit of it here. I just want to go big picture with you, Mark Wise. The selection committee has now unveiled the field of 68 in general terms or maybe something specifically. Give me something they got right, please. Well, I think they got Utah State right. Uh, I I think uh, the quality wins that they had, the wins over San Diego State, uh, I was concerned that – you know, anytime around the bubble, because the power conference teams have so many more quad one quality win opportunities, 
it's really hard. It's hard for the, the teams in those conferences to get at-large bids. We know that throughout the course of the NCAA tournament. So I think they got Utah State right. I think they got Drake right from a leap of faith perspective. I said with you last week, if you if you went on, it's a it's a it's a, um, um, a fact driven. It's a data driven process. Drake was going to have a hard time getting in, and uh, I, I, it, there's no other explanation. I mean, everybody wants to talk about how soft the bubble is. The bubble is soft every year. That is Amen. nothing new. And guess what? If we had 96 teams, the bubble would be soft. If we had 48 teams the bubble would be soft. So, you know, I I just don't subscribe to that. It's just a matter of uh, picking um, the teams and making your best uh, evaluation of of resumes in terms of what they got wrong. I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of beef. I think Michigan state got underseeded. I, 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 with the wins that they had, I don't think they are uh, first four uh, worthy, if you will. Um, and then uh, Oklahoma State, I think, was underseeded. That was the only one in the top 16 that I probably felt like they should be a little bit higher. But other than that, hey, I'm thrilled. I- I'm thrilled with what the committee has done, and-, and let's move forward. Voice of Mark Wise, he's at MW Hoops, a great follow if you're a college hoops fan on social media. He's joining me on the Monday after the selection show has taken place in the field of 68 for the 2021 NCAA tournament is set as we hang on college basketball coast to coast. One thing that we discussed on the Sunday night post-selection show with Matt Zimmick, Chris Dobertine, and Deshaun Tate is the respect factor, again, eyeball test, leap of faith, as you called it, for the American Conference getting a second team in Wichita State, the Missouri Valley getting a second team in with Drake, the Mountain West getting a second team in with Utah State that probably had a better case, Utah State, as you mentioned, than both Drake and Wichita State. But the committee definitely gave respect to non-Power 6 conferences because you could have made the argument that particularly for Drake, this is what you said, or for Wichita State, they didn't belong in and replaced them with a power six yeah. mid-ranked team, yet they put them in. I, I think the, the thing about Wichita State is they could not ignore the fact that they won the regular season of the American. And that late and that late season win over Houston. I mean, first of all, if you've got a win over Houston, you've got a gym in your pocket in terms of, of, of a resume gym. So uh, I just don't think they could have, um, um, you know, shoved that to the uh, to the side. So I, I think Wichita State is in because they won the regular season in the American, and that carried some weight, which means you had some road wins along the way. And that's the other thing. That is the one evaluative tool that I don't think we talk probably near enough about is road vic- victories, road record, because – the, the committee has really made no bones about it. Three questions, three questions that they answer every year. Who did you play? Strength of schedule. And I think that was minimized this year sure. because of the COVID, the four less games, the less non-conference data. Who'd you play? Who'd you beat? Quality wins. And where did you beat them? No question that there is a, a bonus factor for road wins. And, you know, I go to a team like Florida, who was seeded seven, where everybody had them in the eight-nine game. Um, the win over West Virginia on the road, the win in Rupp on the road, the win uh, that they, they had three other wins in league play. 
they got a seven seed because their road record. I think it's a great point. Uh, because the theory is from here on out, you aren't playing home games. Now that's different. And it would have been different if you had some Indiana teams uh, in and around this, but with the exception of Purdue, uh, it's not really uh, relevant for the Indiana teams uh, with the whole tournament being compressed in Indianapolis and greater Indiana, by the way, it's a 2021 tournament with no Indiana, no Kentucky, as you know, Mark (laughs) Weiser, a native Kentuckian and no Louisville. So bizarre that none of them uh, got in. Go ahead. Speaking of Louisville, I, I, I know they're the first team out, and they declined an NIT bid, but they would be the first replacement team. Right. Okay, in the tournament. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. Meaning, if, you, if you're turning down the NIT, you, then you, you, you shouldn't be a replacement team. I, I just don't – because if they get a call in the next 36 hours to be a re- replacement team, is there any doubt – that the Cardinals would go to Indianapolis? Well, no, I so, agree with you, but I mean it's their choice. I don't I don't think they want to play anymore if they're not in the NI, if they're not in the NCAA tournament. I'm just and saying teams have declined that, the NIT in the past that have said we're not going to play in it. It's just I'm just not idea. a fan of that. Well, and, and in their case, so let's talk about them. In fact, you know what? We've done this so many times, and I get one more chance to sneak it in, and I love the big announcer voice. Uh, let's do it. Here it is. And now it's time for Mark Wise's Three Wise Men. Yes, the who's in or who's out does begin with, with uh, Louisville. And you and I, I, lo- I love when we scrap and we spar figuratively and verbally on this. So that's a Louisville team that won not one, not two, but four games against the net top 50. Again, for Mitch Barnhart and the committee, if they want to talk about net rankings and how much it means, they won four games against the net top 50, one of them on the road at Duke at the end of the year. For example, Wichita State won one game against the net top 50. Drake won one game against the net top 50. I think they have the biggest right. And again, you're going to laugh. I'm the Memphis guy. Here I am defending Louisville. That's like, uh, you know, that's like McDonald's defending Burger King in court. It ain't supposed to happen that way. But anyway... I think that's the biggest gripe on uh, in or not. In, in particular, when you look at the resumes of some others, just one more. Our colleague Max Zimmick pointed out on the selection show, you look at Syracuse's resume at being right. all the way in and not in the first four and Louisville not in at all in terms right. of net ranking and resume. That just is totally contradictory. All right, Mark, I've said enough. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I think these are all points, and this comes up uh, every year in, in terms of uh, one of these kinds of situations. Uh, I, I come back to the same thing that I've said, that the NCAA will never admit, the committee will never admit. Uh, you cannot tell me that the way Syracuse played in the conference tournament didn't have an impact from an eye perspective, from mm-hmm. a do they deserve to be in kind of thing. Uh, and so um, – you know, they, they lost at the buzzer to Virginia in that, in that game, and that was a, a really well-played game, a really good game. So I think they passed the eye test, and as a consequence, they slid on in a little bit further. And so, you know, I, it's my own personal belief that in this particular year when we have less data in a data-driven process, it only makes sense that we have a little bit more of an eye test um, in terms of um, where teams might fall. 
Well, and again, late in the year, uh, a win over North Carolina for Syracuse helped them, even though that one was at home. Uh, and earlier in the year, they had beaten Virginia Tech, who's in the field, um, in, in the top 50 in the net ranking. They also right. beat the eventual Big East tournament champs, Georgetown, who's in the field earlier in the year. Those wins um, added up for yeah. Syracuse. And here's the, the other end. thing. If you're Louisville, you're really mad at Oregon State. You're really mad at Georgetown because that those were the two bid stealers. Otherwise, Louisville's in the in the uh, first four. There's no doubt. Right. And consequently, Michigan State may not be in the first four because of that. Yes. And so if you're an Oregon State fan, which we'll get to and you know you're going to smile at this. If you're a Georgetown fan, you're looking at Louisville or St. Louis or Ole Miss or anybody else who's bubble, bubble burst and say the Southern phrase, tough tooties, win yeah. your tournament next time, <laughs> which those teams clearly did. Um, I, I mean, it's fair to say Georgetown and Oregon State weren't going to be in the 16-team NIT. Oh, they, they, they were. And, yeah, and yet, here they are, Mark. Absolutely. So, you know, kudos to Wayne Tinkle, who, you know, whose job supposedly is on the hot seat. Uh, Patrick Ewing. I mean, yep. uh, hopefully uh, people in Madison Square Garden will now recognize Patrick. <laughs> he had a few extra days to hang around, and I think they probably will with that. We'll have some fun with that. By the way, uh, Mark will have some three wise men coming up one more time off of Championship Weekend and also Selection Sunday. And I wonder if Wayne Tinkle or Patrick Ewing might appear in the three wise men. We'll find out on a tease. One more on the in or out. Uh, again, I, I have preached this for so long. You and I preach things to each other and to the audience that they absolutely look at the draw and figure it out. It was no surprise that it's, it's brand names, Michigan State and UCLA uh, being there as, uh, as last four in and playing in a first four game. Just uh, say something about that. I mean, that is the marquee matchup for Thursday night, and that's going to have easily a million extra eyeballs, maybe a couple of million extra eyeballs, especially in the West and in the Los Angeles market to have that game. Here is what I think. Um, I, I'm happy with what the committee did with the first four, and I'll explain it to you in this way. We know with Wichita State and Drake, we're going to have a winner from outside the power five, okay? We also know that Michigan State and UCLA, not both of them are going to advance. So if you had split those up and Michigan State advances and UCLA advances, okay, it's the big guys getting richer. So mm -hmm. I kind of like this. I like what they've done. We know that Wichita State or Drake is going to play on the weekend, and that's a good thing. I think it's a good point that you make. And again, uh, in, in those cases, those two are going to get a shot at USC, who may be talented, yes, but maybe a vulnerable team uh, out of the Pac-12. And then the, uh, the UCLA-Michigan State game for all the brand names, the winner gets BYU, uh, which again is a non-power six. BYU was impressive in their championship game loss to Gonzaga. So that's yep. a great matchup coming a couple of days later uh, for either one of those teams. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And, um, and, and look, they, they are totally right now, the selection committee in a subjective process and the NCAA overall with the NCAA tournament, 
trying to make up for lost time. I, I get this and I understand this. And if it means put UCLA in a standalone situation, which they will be in on Thursday night, where the Western half of the United States, you and I don't live in the West, the certainly the West Coast and certainly Southern California will watch that game. If you have UCLA at two o'clock on Friday afternoon playing somebody, not the same effect. We get that, Mark. We're in the business. Right. We get that. They want people to watch. Well, that's the reason why there's the bracket and then there are the TV times that get released about three hours later because now they've got to figure out, okay, where can we get the biggest audience? I don't blame them for that. That's what, that's what you and I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, here's the other thing. One last thought about Michigan State and being in the first four, and I said they are underseated, and I mean that because of their quality of their wins in the Big Ten, the best conference in the country this year. However – the flip side of that is that they're 15 and 12. They've lost 12 times. Right. So I'm not sure that they're that far underseated. Well, and again, the net ranking for them says 70. And again, the net has got some right. flaws. We keep pointing it out. It's got Colgate in the top 12 of, of the net, right. uh, which is confusing in and of itself. Michigan State at the end of the year beats three teams, Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State that are all in the top eight of the net yet their net ranking still hovered somewhere around 60 or 70. So the metrics are still kind of confusing that they didn't leap up more uh, on that. But, yeah, it'll be fun to watch that game. All right, so you laid out a couple of games that you've got your eyes on in the first four. As we talk with Mark Wise, it's college basketball coast-to-coast. It's the Monday after selection show. We've been looking over the brackets. The coach has been uh, divvying all of this up. Give me an upset or two right now that stands out. I, again – uh, qualify it that you may change your mind. We may find out about an injury. We may find right. out about a COVID situation with a player or something like that. But for right now, did you have one or two that jumped out at you? Watch out, especially if it's a double digit, especially if it's an 11 or a 12 or greater right. in front of the name. Well, here's the thing about, I, I want to go to this first, the eight, nine games, the, and if you look at the early betting lines in Vegas mm-hmm. on the games, this is, this plays out the eight, nine games, the seven, 10 games. And yes, even the six, 11 games, they're basically pickups. I mean, they're, they're basically one, two, three point spreads and that's it. So I have to get below that. Okay. I also believe that if you're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament, you must have these ingredients. And I believe this wholeheartedly. Number one is you must have NBA talent. And that's to get to the final four. And everybody, you've heard me say this for years. Everybody says, well, what about Butler going back to back? Well, the last time I checked, Gordon Hayward has had a pretty good NBA career. (laughs) Yes. So you've got to have NBA talent. You've got to have, this is the one I've added. You've got to have an offensive uh, scheme that can score points in a variety of ways. No no one is winning uh, the NCAA tournament playing in the 60s anymore. It just doesn't happen. Number three is you've got to be healthy. And, man, that is the one that is starting to bite some teams. And then the fourth one is, and, and you have no control over this, is you somewhere along the way of your journey, the basketball gods have got a smile on you. And I, I can go back to Virginia in their game against Purdue and what happened to get the game into overtime. I can go to what? Auburn. Remember Auburn in the first round played New Mexico State. New Mexico State had a wide open three in the corner to win that game. So, you know, for I can go back to the 06, 07 Florida uh, teams that I covered 
the back-to-back, uh, the old fours, if you will, the back-to-back national titles. And I can give you the exact moment for each year when the basketball gods just smiled on you. So that has to play out. So with all that said, um, obviously everybody's going to be on this, but Villanova without Gillespie is a huge loss, not only in terms of your leading scorer, but the ball's in his hands a lot. So how do they adjust? So the Winthrop-Villanova game kind of jumps out at me. uh, Winthrop's only lost um, one time. Can they answer the physicality that Villanova will bring? That will be the question mark. And then I'm going to the the Hoya paranoia because Mm. I think Georgetown's in a different place. Um, They've got a matchup with Colorado. Colorado's had a really good year uh, out of the Pac-12, but um, I think the, the Hoyas have got something going right now. And if they don't, you know, if they don't stop and read about how great they were in the Big East tournament and parlay this on. So those are a couple of 5-12s that I'm looking at. In terms yes. of the 6-11s and the other things, I, I just don't call them upsets anymore, TJ. Yeah, and there, there are some teams that can uh, that can definitely, as a 10, 11, or 12s, potentially be a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 team. We've seen that year after year. Back to that Georgetown team, they've got size, shot blockers, and rebounders. I mean, that's one of the key ingredients in that Big East tournament. They out-rebounded everybody. Their defensive uh, field goal percentage was excellent, and they made shots, to your point, on offense. That's where they came alive as well and just blew away uh, Creighton, uh, you know, I and was let's thinking. Remember you, this, yeah, go ahead. yeah, real quick. Georgetown lost James Akinjo from last year, who went to yep. Arizona. Mac McClung, who went to Texas Tech, so a new backcourt, and here they are in the NCAA tournament. And that, by the way, is coaching for Patrick Ewing, his staff, and how to address with his guys and win in the most important time of the year. And I was thinking this when you were saying this about you got to catch a break somewhere along the way. Georgetown won four games in four days, Mark, to win the Big East tournament. This is now the 10th anniversary, we're getting old, of Kimball Walker and UConn winning five games in five days at the Big East tournament at the Garden. Then they went on to win the whole thing. But does anybody really remember that I believe it was their opening round game, if not their second round game, it was their opening round game with St. Joe's, Phil Martelli's team. That game at the end of regulation, St. Joe's had the ball in their hands and a shot in the air for the win. And UConn could have, shoulda, coulda, woulda, lost and gone home. Instead, it clanks. They go to overtime and win. They won five more games in a row after that, including beating Butler in the championship game. That was 10 years ago. But they got the break along the way that you were talking about. Because, again, say whatever you want about the end of that game. St. Joe's shot for the win doesn't go in, and they stay alive. I rest my case. Yes, I'm happy to help you as co-counsel here with Mark Wise. Um, All right, so there we go on the upsets. Again, I I pointed out you've been pointing at Moorhead State. That matchup with West Virginia, while talented and experienced, and Huggy Bears won, what, 900 games as a coach. It's incredible. Um, they've lost some games at the end of the year and some close games against quality competition. Watch out 14 versus three uh, in that one as one at first blush that could be a problem. And uh, a couple of those other ones, I mean, uh, North Carolina Greensboro, the Isaiah Miller kid that you had Southern conference championship. Can you preach for 30 more seconds about Isaiah Miller? Florida state is experienced. They're big. They will probably win, but Greensboro may give them trouble. You had that team in the SoCon title game on ESPN more about Greensboro, please. Yeah. I don't know that they can handle the physicality of Florida state. I mean, UNCG is not big enough. That's a bad, 
they could have beaten, I, I think, other uh, uh, teams on that seed line. But, man, that's a bad matchup for them. All right. And, again, Florida State vulnerable at the end of the year. Lost to North Carolina, lost to Notre Dame, right. lost to Georgia Tech in the championship game of the ACC. But maybe they get it together. Very experienced coach with Leonard Hamilton. All right, just a few moments left. Let's do it one more time off of Selection Sunday. Here we go. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? Man, you talk about a buffet that Mark Wise has to choose from. Three wise men off the championship weekend. Go ahead. This could be anything. Players, coaches, again, selection committee, ADs, whatever. It's not going to be officials. Mark still doesn't get along with the refs. Uh, go ahead. Give me three wise men. Okay. Lon Kruger, Tubby Smith, and now... Rick Patino. Rick Patino, one just the third uh, coach in NCAA history to take five different programs uh, to the NCAA dance. So um, whether or not you you know whatever side of the fence of the Rick Patino farm that you come down on, the dude can flat coach. And two different COVID pauses totaling almost eight weeks. He had COVID nineteen himself. Yep. And yet they put it together and win the three games in three days as an eight seed. They draw Alabama, but that'll be a tremendous story for this but, week that they're in. But did you see what Rick Patino said when he was asked about playing Alabama again? Because when he was at Providence, they went through Alabama to get to the final four. He said, well, Billy Donovan is not walking through that door anytime soon. The famous line when he was the coach of the Celtics, Larry Bird's not walking through that door. Uh, there you go on Rick Patino. Another wise man somewhere, somehow off the weekend, please. You know, TJ, I'm going old school again. Uh, wise man number two is Quinn Buckner because Gonzaga is trying to do something that hasn't been done since the Quinn Buckner led uh, Indiana Hoosier 76 undefeated team. Jalen Suggs. Maybe has a little Quinn Buckner in him. Um, I think they're the team to beat. I don't think there's any question about it. Pretty wild, uh, again, for Gonzaga. And I, I've got a Final Four hat on my head while we're doing the video portion of our interview together. And it's the 2015 Final Four in Indianapolis. You and I were there. And that Kentucky team is the last team to get to the Final Four uh, undefeated. And Wisconsin beat them that night. Uh, just wild, wild to watch what looked like it was going to be a Kentucky coronation. They didn't even make the championship game. Last unbeaten team to get to the title game is Larry Bird in Indiana State in 79. Last team to get there and win it is Indiana in 76. And how appropriate the tournament back in Indianapolis. One more from Mark Wise on the three wise men. Well, the flip side of all the jubilation with going to the NCAA tournament is the disappointment side of other programs. I go to Casey Alexander, the head coach at Belmont, who went 25 and four, won the OVC title, uh, got beat by Moorhead State in the championship game. But how about this? In two, two consecutive years, Belmont has won two consecutive OVC titles, won a tournament title a year ago, they had 30 straight league wins, 30 straight league wins, and have no postseason to show for it. They were the first four out of the NIT. Wow. So from that standpoint, that shows you what an uphill climb it is for the mid-majors every year. 
No doubt about that. And we've been mentioning about uh, play your way in and the job uh, that some of these different teams did. Unfortunately, Belmont was not able to do that. But you look at some of the other teams that did play their way in, like we mentioned with Oregon State or with Georgetown. That Houston team is going to be dangerous out of the American Conference. I have them as a sleeper Final Four team. Do you go along with me on that? I mean, they may not make the Final Four, but Houston could do some damage out of that draw that has Illinois. That, that Houston team may be good. And, man, they, they were devastating at the American tournament in the championship game. Yeah, I don't um... – I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan because uh, of their inconsistencies on offense. I'm going to come back to that. I mean, as Sasser doesn't make shots, sometimes they have a hard time scoring. And to, to again, I, I come back to this, Virginia. We think the, our last NCAA tournament titleist, Virginia, everybody says, well, they play a certain way. That team did not. That's correct. That team could score. And that's and- the reason why they won it all. Amen. And Tony Bennett embraced that. They took many more volume of threes. They took them early in the shot clock. They played a different way. Absolutely. uh, On that. I'm just thrilled that we're here one more time. And I don't know what's going to happen again. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. It is fantasy land to think with everything that's going on with COVID-19 that we're not going to have a concern later in this week with 34 matchups and 68 teams. But again, as Mitch Barnhart pointed out here in our final minute, 98% of the conference tournament games were played over the last two weeks. That's incredible. And I know you and I say bravo to that, and let's go later in the week, right? What does Luther Vandross say? The The, ball is tipped. The ball is tipped from the late Luther Vandross. Exactly uh, on that. Mark Wise, I love it. I always love being with you. Please promise me I get to be back with you later this week when the action is going because we have got, my Lord, as I mentioned, 34 games to go over. Actually, uh, what, 36 games to go over on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the recaps and whatever. Five straight days of the tournament coming this weekend. I appreciate you being with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Thanks, TJ. There is Mark Wise. He's at MW Hoops on Twitter. We're done for now on this show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's streaming constantly on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel, top and bottom of the hour. It is college basketball, coast-to-coast. Tournament games coming later this week. I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us on College Basketball Coast-to-Coast.